Welcome to Passion Life Church. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. And we're going to look at Jesus' broken body. And how many of you know in Jesus' body was broken in order for us to be the body of Christ and to be accepted into his family? His body had to be broken. His, his blood needed to be shed And so let's look at the picture of Jesus on the cross in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4. And I just believe that today people are going to be healed. People are going to be touched by the presence of God. Can I hear a good amen this morning? Verse 4 says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes, can we say that together? We are healed. Let's try that again. For by his stripes, what? We are healed. Can you receive that? this morning? Can I just encourage you as a pastor, whenever we read the word, read it in faith. When we're saying this right now, have an amen attitude. So be it unto me. Come on. Don't we see, we could just say, well, by his stripes, we are healed. Or we can say in faith and take it and say, by his stripes, we are healed. Verse six, All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. Come on, somebody. How many of you know he was oppressed? So you don't have to be oppressed. He bore that. He was oppressed. So you don't have to be. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Why? So you don't have to be. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears in silence. So he opened up not his mouth. What an amazing picture and description of Jesus Christ on the cross. You know, I think sometimes when we take communion, we take it and it can just be something that we do. All this is cool. You know, it can become ritualistic. And listen, anything we do without faith can become a ritual. Anything we do without faith can just become religious. Listen, and we need to apply our faith when we take communion. I think for some, communion has just become a tradition. Well, everybody's kind of doing it. And what, here's what I want to do today. I want to break it down a little bit as we look at Jesus' broken body. I want to break it down for us. And then right at the end of the message, then we're going to go ahead and and take of this. But what I want to do today is give us seven insights into communion. If you have your Bibles, turn over to to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And let me just give you seven insights about communion. You can write this down. Here's the first one. This is what Jesus meant for communion to be. Number one, he meant it to be a time of association. When you see Jesus giving communion to his disciples, it was his closest friends. It was a time of breaking bread together, sharing with each other. It was a closeness that that Jesus wanted. And when we take communion, he doesn't want us just to take it. He wants us to stop the rush of our lives, the busyness of our lives, and take communion. And I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm really concerned about some of us and just friends in America, we're just so busy. Some of us are so busy, for our, too busy for our own good. 
And I believe that God wants to do things in our life, wants to touch us at times. And I wonder if we're just like, we're just too busy. And then we come to the end of our rope and we're like, God, I'm tired. And and he says to come to him. But yet there's times where we need to know how to slow down. And this is what Jesus was talking about is getting together, taking communion, not being in a rush, right? Understanding that Jesus wants to spend time with us. James 4, 8 says, if we'll draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to us. God sent his son to make a way. God already initiated the drawing, but here's what he wants us to do. He wants us to draw nigh to him. You know, the Bible says that when we lift up the name of Jesus, like we did today, the Bible says when we lift up that name, he draws us to himself. But can I ask you a question? Will you allow God to draw you? Will you allow God to draw you to his presence? I love the presence of God. But if I were to ask you today, well, what does that word commune with God mean? Let let me give you a definition. Commune actually means this, to be in a state of intimate, everybody say that, intimate, intimate, heightened sensitivity and receptivity. In other words, when I take this communion, here's what being intimate is about. It's about opening up my heart, my mind, my spirit, let God's spirit Be aware of his presence. I said this last week, and it seems to be a reoccurring theme of where our our church is headed. Today, God wants to touch your spirit. He wants you to commune with your spirit because he's the spirit. And so when we draw nigh, he wants us to open up our heart and have intimacy with him. In our life group that we did, it was called Intimacy with God. We said this, you cannot have intimacy without honesty. Ooh, that's a good word. See, even in a marriage, if you're not totally honest, you'll never be totally intimate. Intimacy is all of me, in, to, me, see, right? All of me. Here's intimacy. And as we come together right now and we associate this, it's a time of association where we allow God to really touch our heart. Can I ask you a question? Will you let God touch your heart this morning? Or did we just come this morning to to just do a religious duty to throw up some prayers, hey, some Hail Marys, and book it? Or did we come today to say, God, man, I want your touch today in our lives. And so as you take communion today, I want you to answer this question. If Jesus came and sat down next to you right now, right where you are, if he came and sat down next to you, what would you share with him? What, What would you talk with him about? What would you tell him? What, what, what do you need from him today? Here's the second insight to communion. Number two, it's not only a time of association, but it's actually a time of reflection. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 24. It says this, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, talking about Jesus, He's breaking the bread for his disciples. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Say this with me. Say it's for me. It's for me. He said this. This is my body broken for you. Do it. What? In remembrance of me. Now, am I supposed to do it in remembrance of me or remembrance of him? Jesus is saying, I want you to do it in remembrance of me, verse 25. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it. When? In remembrance of what? Me. 
So a good thing about communion is when we come together, we are supposed to remember him. We're supposed to reflect on him. When we eat of the bread and we drink, we're reminded of his incredible, painful, horrific sacrifice that he did, not for himself, but he did for you. Come on, can you say a good amen? He did for you. This blood represents the blood that was shed. And in order for blood to be shed, a body had to be broken. And I was talking about communion with some people, and I was talking to them about how important it was, not just for the remembrance of how forgiven we are, but for also the healing of our body. And I always love to say this. His body was broken so your body could be whole. Listen, do you know that Jesus bore stripes on his back so you and I can have healing and a whole back, right? I always, when I pray for people who are having back problems, I, I tell them, you know that his back was broken so you don't have to live with a broken back. Come on, somebody. He took those, those stripes and his skin was ripped apart where blood was shed. And his blood was shed. Why? For you and for I. Well, Pastor Phil, this sounds like an Easter message, and we're in Thanksgiving. It's not an Easter message. It's a life message from Jesus. And that gets to me because we always think, oh, this is Easter. This is Thanksgiving. No, it's Jesus and his body that was given for us that we are supposed to do in remembrance of him every time we do it. Excuse me as I get excited, but I'm preaching better than you're acting. And I want to ask you a question. How many times has he forgiven you? How many times? Maybe the better question would be, how many times have you messed up today? Do you know that his sacrifice, the Bible says, was for once and for all? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 says this, and by that will we have been made holy through the sacrifice. So have we been made holy through our own works, through our own deeds? No, we were made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus. And what does it say? Once and for all. You have been forgiven today. Why today? Because the sacrifice was once and for all. That's why I like to say your past sins are forgiven, your present sins are forgiven, and so are your future sins. They are forgiven. How can you say that, Pastor Phil? My future sins were forgiven. Well, when Jesus died on the cross, you weren't alive. So every sin from the time that Jesus died was future for you and I. And it was covered. How was it covered? Once and for all. It was covered. So when, when we reflect, it's a time to reflect that this God who loves us came out of heaven to earth for you and I. Let's just be honest. How many of us today, Thanksgiving, didn't even want to get off the couch for some stuff? Do you ever have that conversation? Like you just sat down, got your place, and all of a sudden you realize the remote's not in your hand. And you have this conversation. Is the remote worth getting up, right? Or I need some water, right? I need some coffee or something. You're like, is the coffee worth me getting up off this comfortable couch to get that? 
right? But you think about how comfortable in your, wherever you were and you were just hanging out, how great that would be. Imagine heaven and what that's like. And Jesus is in heaven, in heaven, and he's going to come down to earth? But he clothed himself with flesh because he thought the human race was worth it. And because he loved us, he left heaven, came to earth so you could leave earth and go to heaven. It's a time to reflect on that. I love this. It's a time to reflect on Jesus according to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9. It says he became poor so you could become well supplied. He became sick so you can become healed. When I take communion, I always think about how I couldn't save myself. I don't know how many of you were ever there thinking that you could save yourself. You could do this. And you can't save yourself. You can't be holy by any merit of your own. You can only be holy by the sacrifice that Jesus did on the cross. You know, when I take communion, I, I reflect on the fact of how much he loves us. How much he loves us. That he would give his life for you and I. I think about that. Who would you be willing to give your life for? He gave his life for a sinful humanity, which some would never receive that gift, but it didn't stop him from giving. And he gave. It's a time of reflection. And so today as we take communion, I think we should think about what stands out the most to you about Christ's sacrifice for your life. What is it? Here's number three. Are you glad you came to church this morning? Here's another insight. Number three, it's a time of appreciation. You know, Luke chapter 22, verse 17, talks about communion. And it says, after taking the cup, he gave thanks. This is talking about Jesus. And here's what he did. He, he gave thanks. How many of you are thankful that God gave his son? I'm thankful. I, I, I'm thankful. Honestly, sometimes in life, I think about things and things that I need or I want, and I just say to myself, you know what? If God never gave me anything else besides Jesus, he gave me enough. And so I'm thankful for that. But the Bible says that when Jesus gave the bread to his disciples, here's what he did. He gave thanks. He gave thanks. He gave thanks. And I think that we need that in our lives. We have so much to be thankful for. Are you really thankful for Jesus? Or is he just somebody that you say hi to when you come to church on Sunday? Because you know he's watching. That's no relationship. Are you thankful for his broken body? Now, can I just be honest with you? Um, for me, and maybe this would be true for you, there are things that didn't turn out the way that I hoped. And, but here's what I can do. I can be thankful and grateful for all the things that God allowed me to escape. Maybe I'm not where I, I want to be, but I can thank God today. I am nowhere where I used to be. I'm not addicted to cigarettes anymore. Come on, somebody. I, I'm not addicted to drugs anymore. I'm not addicted to all those things because it was the blood of Jesus that can set me free. It's a time of appreciation. You know, Psalms 95 verse 1 through 3 says, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout aloud to the rock of our salvation. Look at verse 2. Let us come before him with what? Thanksgiving. That's really where the worship starts is by entering into his gates with thanksgiving. And I think there's a principle there. Because when we begin to thank God, what happens? We begin to recognize what he's done 
who he is, all the good things. It's an attitude of thanksgiving. And he says, let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song for the Lord is great and the great king above all gods. And so when we take communion today, think about what, what are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? How many of you today are thankful that you're still married? Come on, let me see your hands. This is a good time to put up your hand if you were married. Because you may not be after, if you don't raise your hand. I'm thankful. I'm thankful. How many of you are thankful you got a job today? It may not be the job you want, but how many of you are thankful you got a job? How many of you are thankful today that you have good friends that are around you, at least one or two good friends? How many of you are thankful uh, for a good church? Come on, somebody. A good church. There you go. There you go. Sometimes you need a little cues, but that's all right. I know the turkey still there. <laughs> they did a study and they said, what is it? Is it the dopamine? Is that what it's called? Or from the turkey that we eat? Is that what it, the what? The tryptophan? Yeah. It really that has nothing to do with anything. They, they found that out. It's just basically all the carbs that put you to sleep. It's not. It, they really found out it's the rolls. It's not the turkey. What are you thankful for? Here's number four. It's a time of identification. You know, when we take communion, it identifies us with Christ. I am a part of the body of Christ. We've been talking about in this series how the church is not a building. The church is a people. When you receive Jesus as your Lord and your Savior, you become a part of his body. And Jesus is the head of that body. You become part of the church. We don't just attend church. We are the church. And we come together. But in order for you to become a child of God, see, we're children of God. Why? Because he died and rose again and his body was broken. So when I take this communion, I'm identifying with him that I am a child of God. This is a public declaration today that as we take this today, that you and I are a child of God. And to be honest, that's the only way we can be connected. The only way we can be connected to the head is to be part of the body. And the body of Christ is the church. Now listen, also, as a Christian, we're to be connected to the church. We're to be connected to the church. And if you're connected to God, you're connected to his people, right? And so as the body of Christ, we are his church. And God loves people. And I think about this when I take communion. I just wonder how many people need to hear the message of Jesus dying for us, God's love his blood being shed for us. And as you take communion today, maybe we need to think about who needs to hear this incredible message. Who needs to know that his body was broken for us? Here's number five. It's a time of introspection. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 says this. Paul was writing to the Corinthian church he was writing to them because he was kind of surprised that a lot of them in the church were sick, uh, they were weak, and the Bible says they were asleep. But that actually means they died before their time. 
And Paul is going to address something that I think sometimes we don't understand the value of this communion. And you can read it in verse 11 of 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He says this, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Verse 28, But let a man examine himself. Now let me just ask you a question. Do you think examination is good? I think examining yourself is good. You know, and not just at the end of the year, right? On New Year's Eve at 11.59. Many times we examine ourselves just in those. I think daily examinations are good. Of Where is my life? How am I doing today in terms of my relationship with God? Uh, and at the end of the year, have I grown? Am I have I moved forward? What is God doing in my life? Have I stretched a little bit in faith? You know, because it's faith that pleases God. It's a self-examination. I think examination is good. And he says, but let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and of the cup. Verse 29. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself not discerning the Lord's body. Everybody say that with me. Not discerning the Lord's body. I want to talk about this for a moment. And verse 30, for this reason. Now notice it doesn't say for this reasons. There's no S there. It says for this reason, many are weak and sick among you and many asleep. Verse 31, for if we judge ourselves, we will not be judged. Verse 32, but when we are judged, we are chastised, uh, chastened by the Lord that we may not be condemned with the world. Now, I want to explain this to you today because I think a lot of times when it comes to communion, you can read the scripture and you're saying, oh my goodness, God doesn't want me to take of the of his table. He doesn't want me to partake. No, 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 no. He wants us to. He does. But he wants us to understand the value and the power of what this is. So here is the question. The Bible says that if we are to take in an unworthy manner, so the question is, what is an unworthy manner? Well, verse 29 tells us. It says, for he who eats and drinks, right, in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself. And what does it say? Not discerning the Lord's body. So to eat in an unworthy manner is not to discern the Lord's body. What does that mean? The word here of discern means this, to make a difference, to make a difference. And here's what Paul is saying. Many people, when they take communion, they understand what this juice is for. They understand that the juice represents his blood that was shed. So when we drink of the juice, we're like, Lord, we just thank you that we're forgiven. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and take the bread. We'll take the bread. And he says, what you're doing and what they were doing. Now, there was a lot of abuse in, in this church. They were drinking the wine. They were getting drunk, all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, they were not seeing the value and taking advantage of what this is supposed to be for you and I as the believer. And he says, when we take in an unworthy manner, what is an unworthy manner? An unworthy manner is not discerning what? The Lord's body. Now, which one of these is the Lord's body? Is it the bread or the juice? 
The bread is the Lord's body. So when I take in an unworthy manner, I'm taking this and not understanding the value. The word discerning means this. In the Greek, it means to make a difference. To make a difference. So this is what Paul is saying. Many of you are weak, you're sick and dying because you are not making a difference between the blood and the the juice, the blood and the body of the Lord. So when you drink the juice, you realize, hey, I'm forgiven. But when you eat the bread, you are not taking it in faith, saying this was his body that was broken. That's why we break the bread as a symbol. His body was broken. This represents a broken body. Why was his body broken? We read in Isaiah, his body was broken so you and I could be healed. So they were taking of the juice and drinking Oh, we thank you, Lord, that you forgave us. But they didn't realize when they took this, as you take this as a step of faith today, his broken body is actually for your healing. And it makes sense when you start looking at what Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. How did Adam and Eve cause sin to come into the world? And so what Jesus said is now I am the bread of life. And when you take of this body, there's healing. Adam and Eve brought sin by eating. Jesus brings his life and his healing by his broken body that if you and I will eat and take of, there's healing in this. Now I want to tell you something. Paul says in this, basically, you will come under condemnation or there, he uses the word judgment. I want you to understand something. What is he talking about here? Is Jesus condemning you because, oh, you didn't have faith in what he said? Jesus is not condemning you. Jesus is not sitting there judging you. Here's what Paul was saying. He says in here that you will come under condemnation, listen, with the world. The world is under condemnation. This world, if you didn't know, is under a curse. You and I don't, are not under a curse because you and I are a child of the living God. You and I are blessed. You, however, so why do you see Christians living under the curse of the world? Under the curse of the world is what? disease, right? Under the curse of the world is cancer. Under the curse of the world is diabetes. And you hear me say, I say a lot, we live in this fallen world, but here's the reality. If you don't have faith, so you can have a, be a Christian, ask God, Jesus, come inside my heart. He comes inside your heart, makes you new, and you'll go to heaven, but you can actually live under the curse of the world by not having faith in the things that Jesus said. See, for us as a child of God, we are not to live under the curse, but the world is cursed. I, I've gotten sick, right? So, I, because I live in this world. You and I are in the world. We're not of the world. But here's the reality. What do I do when I get sick? Do I just say, well, we just live in this world. It's a bad world. Oh, my God. Now, some people will say, maybe God is putting this to try to teach me something. God is trying to put disease on me to treat and teach me something. And then I ask people, well, are you taking medication? They're like, yes. Well, why are you taking medication if God's trying to teach you something? 
You should not be trying to get well if God is teaching you something. If that is what you believe, why are you going to the doctor? Don't go to the doctor. Wait till you learn the lesson that God is teaching you, then you'll be healed, right? But is that what the Bible talks about? No, that's not what the Bible. The Bible says everything that Jesus did was not only for our salvation, it was for our healing. He bled not just to forgive us, but he also bled to heal us. And you have Christians today, the Bible says, that they perish for a lack of knowledge. And we're thinking, I don't know if God wants to heal me. Look at Jesus' back. He bled for you. Well, I still feel sick. Yeah, that's where you got to have faith. And you got to say, you know what, Jesus, your body was broken for me. And today as I take this, this is life to me today. Because your body, let me ask you a question. In Jesus' body when he was on earth, was there sickness in it? I didn't think this was going to be such a hard question. Was there a sickness in Jesus' body when he walked on the earth? No. And so when I break this, I'm saying, God... I thank you that your body was broken for my healing. Jesus made a statement that I don't use in church often because it's weird. But this is what he said. If you don't eat of my body, of my flesh, and drink of my blood, you will have no part in me. Was he saying that if you don't do religious rituals, you won't have no part in me? No, what he was saying was this is actually my body that was broken for me. And this is what he said, do it as often as you do. That's why I encourage you today on your way out to grab communion and listen, take it every day. Stop and thank God for his healing that was broken and his body was broken. Thank God for the forgiveness of his sins. Now, let me just tell you, I had somebody say, oh, Pastor Phil, that's not what it means. It means if you take this, right, and you don't and, and you're not, and you don't re- repent of all of your sins that God is going to judge you. Okay, let's talk about that for a moment. So let me ask you a question. When Jesus gave communion to the disciples, were the disciples saved? Why weren't the disciples saved? Because Jesus hadn't died yet. So Jesus was really messing them up. Jesus was setting them up because he wanted to judge them because he's like, here, I'm going to give you some of my body. And I know if you take this and you have sin in your life, all of the disciples had sin in their life because Jesus had not died. So what they had to do was they had to do in faith. What are you? Are you preaching for sin? No, I'm preaching against it. But this doesn't make sense to me. Okay, God forgave me of all of my sin, but I better not drink this after I'm forgiven because if I drink of the blood that forgave me in the first time, now I'm, con- I'm condemned. That doesn't make sense to me. Jesus' body was broken. Do you know that everybody that Jesus healed was not saved? They were all sinners. Why? Because Jesus hadn't died. You know what gave them the miracle? It was their faith. And their faith is what made them whole. It was their faith that made them forgive, gave them forgiveness of their sins. It was their faith. And so today, as I take this in faith, I am taking this and saying, God, your body was broken for me. And so the people that died, that were weak, why? Listen, they weren't taking advantage of what the elements that God has given us. See, there's a curse, but God has given you what you need to live above the curse. Let me, let me just say it this way, and then we'll move forward. Let me give you two more things. Are you okay with this? Can, can we go just a little bit deeper? Um, 
This is the same principle in tithing. Tithing is the same principle. You and I live under a curse. The Bible says in Malachi that when we don't tithe, right, that we are cursed. Now, is Jesus up there cursing you because you didn't tithe? No, what Jesus is saying is that you have, you have your money. How many of you know this money right here can be used for whatever I want it to be used for? Somebody gave this to me. This could have been used to tip a call girl yesterday. But you know what? Today, I'm going to put this money into the offering. So this money is just a tool. But listen, this money under the world system is cursed. And here's what happens. When I take a tenth out of what I make and I put it to God's house, here's what God does. God removes the curse from my money. I would rather have 90% blessed than 100% cursed. This is why you see people, they lose money. They lose, the Bible says, not only that, he'll protect your investments. He'll watch over your crops. Why? What did I do? It's the same money. Here's what I did. I just gave it to God. But when he gives it back to me, it's blessed. The dirty money became clean. Why? Because I put it in his hands. So that's why you see many Christians that are struggling financially. They've been struggling financially for years. Why? Because they would rather keep their cursed money. And this is what they say, God, I can do more with my money than you can. Go ahead, live that way. You'll still go to heaven, but you will probably, that's why I say everyone who doesn't tithe struggles financially because it's the Bible principle. And I know people in our church for years have not given one tithe. And guess what? They're still struggling financially. It's just the word of God. And until you give in faith, here's what happens. You start to live above the curse. Yes, and you start to live above the economy. You start to live above. You are now in touch with the kingdom of God and his kingdom that knows no end. We have a father that has, uh, owns the cattle on a thousand hills. It doesn't matter. Well, Pastor Phil, I'm struggling financially. Listen, you can't afford not to give. You can't. So here's what happens with communion. Communion, when we take, we live above the curse. And I'm telling you, when you feel bad, when you have a cold, grab communion and say, God, I thank you that I am healed. I thank you. But Pastor Phil, this is just bread. It's just bread. What, what is the difference between this? Well, Jesus used bread too. But let me just give you an illustration. Today, here's some paper, right? If you were out in the parking lot and you saw that paper on the floor, and let me give you some other paper. This is paper as well. If you were walking and you saw that paper on the floor and you saw this on the floor, can I ask you which one you would pick up? Good answer, Robert, both. But I would ask you, they're both paper. What is the difference between this and this? It's what this represents. This is backed by the treasury, or so we think. We hope there's money there, right? But this is backed by the treasury, but it's still paper, but it's what it represents. That's why when we take a bread, he says, this is my, that's why you can grab any bread. It's what it represents when you have faith in breaking the bread to say, God, here is for my healing. It's a time of introspection. Listen, God wants us to take. He wants you to take of communion. He wants you to take of his body. Because here's what he said. Take it. Eat it. Take it. Right? Take it. Take it. 
partake of this, right? Here, let me give you a good illustration. I only have three bucks. Here, Robert, take it. Take it. Right? Thank you. Right? I have one more dollar. Somewhere. I don't know where I put it. Right? But let's pretend this is a dollar. I feel like this is kind of where we live today. Jesus is like, take it. Take it. And we're like, I don't know if I believe that. Take it. I don't know. I don't think I'm good enough for that. Take it. You know what Robert did? He got up. That's faith. He got up and he says, Lord, if you're going to give it to me, I'm going to take it. And Jesus said this, this is my body. Take it. Eat it. It's given for you. Come on, let's give him a good round of applause. All right? Robert took that and he went like this. When we take it, we take this and we say, God, this represents your body that was broken for me. My healing. You broke your body so my body could be whole. So when you take this, ask yourself, what areas of healing? My church family, it's not just physical healing. It's emotional healing. The Bible says that Jesus, it's there for a reason. Jesus was despised and rejected. That's emotional. And he took our emotional rejection and being despised. The Bible talks about shame. All those things are emotional. And I just believe today that as you take it, it may not be a physical thing, but here's what I know. Some emotional ailments can lead to physical ailments. And you know what? Jesus has it all covered under his body and his blood. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, can you receive that today? Come on, open up your heart today and receive it today. Here's number six. We have one more. It's a time of consecration. As I reflect on his broken body, I'm reminded of the commitment that Jesus did. This is a commitment. You know, I talked about examining ourselves. One of the things I do when I take communion, this shows me how committed Christ was to me. And I think about my commitment to him. Can I ask you a question? Are you living a life worthy of his death? See, I want to live a life that's worthy of what he gave me. Because he died and gave me his life, but also gave me his life. His Zoe type, God kind of life. And I think about his commitment today. And I ask you today, where is your commitment to Christ? Or what are you willing to lay your life down for? You know, the Bible says that Jesus was obedient and obedient even unto the death, the death of the cross. What an example. And I got to tell you, I want to be committed like Christ is committed. When you take today, I want you to think about where your commitment lies. Are you surrendered to the lordship of Jesus? Does he really have your life or he just has your prayers? Or he just has your Sundays? Because he gave his life. That's why we give ours. And let me, can I just tell you, his life is so much better than any life that you and I could ever dream up. Ever, ever. Here's the last one. It's a time of expectation. You know, although his broken body reminds us of his death, 
it also reminds us how committed he is and how much of his word always comes to pass. Jesus always said he was going to raise again from the dead. He was, I'm going to rise again. I'm going to, and the disciples kind of didn't understand what he was talking about. And ladies and gentlemen, he didn't just die. Listen, he rose again, just like he said. And when he rose again, he rose again. And here's the reality. He said he's coming back. And today he is coming back for a church. And he is coming back. And the Bible says we know not when, right? Here's what we do know, that it could be like a thief in the night, that there's going to be a couple that could be asleep and one goes and one doesn't, right? That it can happen that fast. But this, to me, when we take communion, is actually an expectation of Jesus. You keep your word. And guess what? You will come back like you said. We should live expectant. You know what? This time of communion is a time to ponder his return as well. First Thessalonians chapter 16 through 18 says this, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, he will, he, uh, those who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Words. Passion Life Church, let me encourage you today. Jesus is coming back. And this is not our home for now. No, 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 no. This is not our home for now. You know what? Our home is going to be heaven. But as we reflect, and we're going to just spend the last five minutes taking communion. But as you take today, is there anyone that you know of who needs to know about the gospel? And maybe today as we reflect, we pray for those people who need to know that they are forgiven. That God can forgive them of all of their sin. That his body, perfect body, broken, diseased. The Bible says he became sin so you and I could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Who is it today that maybe we need to pray for that they would come to know Jesus? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.